Welcome to Sound Off Queen, a podcast about life, love, and empowerment. We're your hosts, Jamie, Jenny, and Courtney. Are you ready, Queens? Let's do this. Listen in. Period. Let's sound off. Welcome back, Queens. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good. Life has been lifing. I know we have been away for like ever. Our vacation turned into like a... I don't know. What did it turn into? Like a an extended rest. It was an extended rest. Did you guys enjoy your extended rest? I did, but I missed you all. I missed you guys too. Yes. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Courtney had a birthday. She did have a birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Blank, blank. Hey, what did you do for your birthday? Oh, I took some time off work. Went to the beach with some of my family on my actual birthday. Went, you know, got my nails done, had a nice dinner downtown, mm. and, you know, relaxed and enjoyed and tried to be out in the sun as much as possible. You look like you've been in the sun. Thank you, girl. You know, they say if you had a good summer, you should at least be a few shades darker by the end of the summer. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I see. Well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You are looking good. And Jamie, you are looking good too. Beautiful. Thank you, Jenny. You are welcome. It took you forever to say thank you. And Jenny, you as well. Well, Loving that, Jenny. Thank you. And your son had a birthday too, because we're Gemini, baby. Yes, he did. My baby turned nine years old. Nine? Nine. Not waited. Nine nine years old the fact that I'm only nine years older than him is crazy (laughs) (laughs) I love that yes Jamie case in point why I am feeling the way that I am because he is nine years old do you remember that little guy that had the blanket at, at, at that party that we had you see I'm in total shock I am you know what COVID just stole years away mm-hmm it yep. really did. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Last year in single digits. Oh my goodness. going to be a 10 year old very shortly. Yeah. In the words of my youngest, Jesus, take the wheel back. <laughs> take the wheel back. Take the wheel back. <laughs> well, ladies, I am bl- glad that we are finally back together. And we have a special treat for you guys. We have none other than Miss Tina Rutherford, who will be joining us a little bit later. But before we get into that, Jamie, I know you got something for us today. What you got? You know, today I was feeling a certain kind of way and just channeling some great authors and poets. Mm -hmm. So I I thought about Maya Angelou Hmm. and one of her quotes. One of my favorites. I'd like to share that with our queens today. Okay. You did in your 20s what you know how to do. And when you knew better, you did better. That's right. And you should not be judged for the person that you were, but for the person that you're trying to be and the woman that you are now. Mm. That's beautiful. Maya knew some things. In your 20s and our foolishness. Right? Because mm-hmm. that's the time to be silly. It is. Yes. Kiss a couple of frogs and move on. But today, the woman that you are now is all we're going to celebrate is who we are at this moment. Right. I always love Maya Angelou. When I was in high school, I had an English teacher that used to call me Cage Bird. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> of my initials, and we were reading that book and everything. Oh. And all and so for the rest of high school, he'd be like, CB, Cage Bird, come here. Aww. Yeah, so me and Maya Angelou have a little connection. Yes, a little oh. connection on that. But yeah, I and love her. I really do. Right, have been, been muted, you know, because of tr- the tr- trauma or traumatic situation mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. she was young. And not, to, I mean, like I said, being mute now with her, I mean, her voice is always so recognizable, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, even um, I hate to change the subject, but James Earl Jones, yeah, mute. He was mute they for have a long these time. Profound voices that are so recognizable. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Jamie, if you're quiet for a year, <laughs> <laughs> she got <Yeah>. jokes. <laughs> what, Courtney, what are you trying to say? 
I'm saying that, that you, your voice is already so iconic that if you let it rest for a year. <laughs> the same court. I'll I tell you what. Well, smiling for the rest of this recording. Welcome back. Oh my gosh, what a way to welcome back. I missed you guys so much. I missed y'all too. Oh gosh, she's this a mess. Hey, that was get back, Jamie. You know, you That's know we gotta hey, I can handle mine. You know, I can throw it, I gotta take it. We, we, we gotta handle our one-two punch, but that's all good. So y'all ready? Yes, ma'am. We have in store a beautiful guest who will be joining us today. You guys ready to find out who that is? Who is it? Who is who? it? All right. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about her. Tina Rutherford is a licensed clinical social worker and change agent with a passion for mental health and community outreach. In her therapy practice, she provides culturally responsive care to adults ages 18 to 99 plus. Tina's therapeutic approach includes person-centered, psychodynamic, strength-based, trauma-informed methods. She recognizes the importance of therapeutic relationships and inviting full humanness in her work and the freedom to speak the unspeakable without judgment. She invites curiosity as a lens to a journey through life's most joyful and painful parts. Tina also acknowledges the psychocultural and political impacts on one's overall mental and emotional and physical well-being and incorporates a close examination of micro, meso, and macro level factors. Tina grew up in the DMV, obtaining a bachelor's degree in sociology from none other than Bowie State University in 2005 and her master's degree in social work from Washington University in St. Louis in 2007. Tina has received postgraduate training at the Washington School of Psychiatry and is an active committee member with the school's Center for the Study of Race, Ethnicity, and Culture. Her clinical experience has allowed her to work in a variety of settings, including intensive outpatient, non-for-profit community-based organizations with children and families, the public school system, therapeutic group homes for adolescents, as well as six years with a group therapy practice in Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., working with a diverse client base. Following the 2020 pandemic, Tina expanded her work to include both her solo tele therapy practice therapy works llc and t ruth and muse llc a creative consulting company focused on wellness content creation and capacity building tina believes in creating healing spaces both within and beyond therapy sessions she also believes that individual healing becomes collective healing so without further ordo Queens, I introduce to you Miss Tina Rutherford. Hey, Tina. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. What a mouthful. Like, it's one thing to write your bio, it's another to hear it. So, thank you. (laughs) Well, you're very accomplished. We love (laughs) reading that bio. Yes, you should feel very proud. You should Mm -hmm. feel very accomplished, as Courtney has said. And, you know, you should just feel all the magic surrounding you, because although you may feel like it's a mouthful, all of those things you put in that hard work for to give back Mm -hmm. to our community. So thank you for being here and having the expertise to help our community through all of these things that we are going through. And girl, we are getting ready to unpack some of these things today in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Queens, for having me. And Jenny, I really appreciate just the offer and the opportunity to talk about a topic that is, is much needed, but mm-hmm. rarely held and discussed. Yes, most definitely. So before we get started talking about this particular episode, one thing that we like to ask all of our Queens that come and join us is, what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self or another younger queen? Okay, well, one piece, let's see if I can say multiple pieces in one. (laughs) So I would say young Queens, be honest with yourself, listen to your gut. We can often grapple, is it my anxiety? Is it my intuition? And you know what? It don't matter. If it's saying something, listen. Mm. Be curious of what it's saying. I'll also add um, that there's enough for all of us. And so this comparison Mm. thing, we are all unique. 
mm-hmm. in our own style. And so how do we complement each other as queens? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, I'll throw one more in. One more. And you're more than your to-do list. Uh. We can often go through life checking boxes, but a lot of life exists between the boxes. And, yes. uh, yeah. And you be knowing. So, you know, when you're second guessing, mm-hmm. listen to yourself. There's an answer in you. Child, you just dropped like four gems and the <laughs> episode has not even like even gotten halfway there. But everything that you said is like so true. You know, I feel yeah. like I wish that I could have the mindset that I have today, Ooh. like 10 years ago or maybe even 20 years ago, because think yeah. about how much I don't want to say pain, but how much heartbreak, how much anxiety, how much negativity could you have ridded of through your Mm -hmm. journey? You know what I mean? So I hear you and all that, all that. All the feels, all the feels. And it's real. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. The thing that stuck out most to me, and I still have to tell myself this, is what you said, you're not your to-do list. Mm. I have a bad habit of saying like, okay, finish that, what's next? And not really like relishing and like, damn girl, you just did that. Right. So that is something that I am definitely working on. Like, okay, there are, I can relax. I can celebrate myself. I can, you know, just, enjoy the work that I put in and not just jump to the next thing. So that's an important one. I'm gonna definitely take that one with me today. And it's just that it's a practice. It's not mm-hmm. something you do once or twice. You mm-hmm. practice. I practice every single day mm-hmm. because we live in a society that trains us to do and there's very little focus on being. Mm-hmm. And so I have to practice it. Yeah. Right. And then be kind to myself when I'm like, you know, got the to-do list out and, and uh, ruminating about what's next. Uh, right kindness and self-compassion yeah that makes a lot of sense all right so I know that we are going to be tackling a heavy topic today and the reason why I think that we kind of needed to go about this topic or we wanted to discuss this topic is because there's been so much shift in our world recently Mm-hmm. And we thought that it was best that we start unpacking some of those feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I believe kind of stood out from that is trauma. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't really understand the word trauma. They ha- kind of hear it and they kind of toss it around. What exactly is trauma and how is it different from PTSD? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, This is a heavy question with an answer that could take a full day, a full Mm. week, a full month of discussion and training. Um, And so before I get into talking about trauma, I want to get consent. And when I say consent, oftentimes we are thrown into things or things happen to us. And I want this to be a space of consent. So Queens, as I am discussing a very heavy topic that a lot of us have experienced, Mm -hmm. um, take breaks, Mm -hmm. pause, walk away, get a drink of water, take care of yourself as we're talking about a very heavy and what can be a dense topic. Mm -hmm. And also it is June and June is PTSD Awareness Month, all right? So how appropriate. So I'm going to give a visual because this is the best way that I can try to describe it without sounding like a PowerPoint presentation. So think of an umbrella. This is a pretty um, unfavorable umbrella. Mm -hmm. And this umbrella on the top, we have trauma. Mm -hmm. And trauma is a response to a distressing event or experience. So as we move further down this umbrella, again, that's hooded over, we have physical trauma. And physical trauma is understood as a bodily injury or wound Mm. or even an identifiable pain in your body where you can say, this is my pain level. I'm a five, I'm Mm -hmm. a 10. And as we know with physical wounds, folks are more likely to get their needs met, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's something physical to show. Mm -hmm. There's a fracture. Right. But what we're talking about today is emotional trauma. And with emotional trauma, the wounds are not always visible. Although there's a lot of studies done around brain chemistry and what happens to our nervous system with emotional trauma, but to the naked eye, it can often be an invisible wound. Mm. So as we move further 
down this umbrella, there can be a combo deal, right? Where you have physical and emotional trauma, like a car accident. Mm -hmm. Walking away from a car accident, you go to the hospital, you get treated, but there can still be emotional and psychological impacts to that. So we're going to move down this umbrella around types of trauma. We have acute trauma, we have chronic trauma, complex trauma, and then there's other parts we can get into of like secondary and trauma focus that's really into childhood trauma. Mm. But I'm going to start with acute trauma, which is a single event trauma. So for example, um, although on a national level, it is not a single event, but with the recent shootings, there are communities that are having single event traumas. Mm-hmm. And that single event, what tends to happen in these larger scale, like natural disasters, there is a collective of the community supporting. Everybody going to get therapy. Everybody going to get resources. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a collective response where those folks are more likely to get their needs met, which will mm-hmm. support them through this journey. Right. Now, also acute can be yes, a car accident. It can be a physical assault. Mm -hmm. I can go on for days. So then we have chronic trauma. So this Mm -hmm. is multiple traumas, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to be connected. So let's say you had that car accident. Mm -hmm. Then a week later, you witness a robbery. Mm -hmm. And then that next week, that person who hit you in that car accident is, you know, down the street, right? Like these are chronic traumas mm-hmm. that can happen throughout our lives and they can have a great impact as well mm-hmm. as community violence. And so then I'm getting to complex trauma mm-hmm. because it's a lot of what we hold in our community, especially as black women. And again, consent, sexual abuse is something that we don't talk a lot about, but mm-hmm. it's happening way more than anyone would like to recognize. Right. And so what's complex trauma, whether it's physical abuse, Um, sexual abuse is abuse from a trusted caregiver or person. Mm -hmm. And it's complex because the very person who is providing you love and care one day may also be the very person that is causing harm. Right. And so, you know, those are just some of the breakdowns of trauma Mm -hmm. and the complexities and the layers of it. So then as I move along to symptoms, like what to look for, out for when it comes to trauma, mm-hmm. that is a normal response to have difficulty with sleeping, irritability, mm-hmm. um, you know, changes in your overall mood and interest. So there's a lot of different reactions we have to trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, dissociation. So this thing of like zoning out. Mm-hmm body aches, tense muscles, insomnia, nightmares, night terrors. So those are things you can look for as symptoms. Now, as we move down the umbrella more, there's PTSD. Mm. And PTSD is a DSM. So it's a diagnostic classification where Mm. it is a checklist of symptoms. Okay. Over a month, a month or more, for age six and over. So this means that you've been experiencing these symptoms over a certain amount of time. Okay. Okay. So Tina, let me ask you a follow-up question about that. Is there, because you said over 30 days is when you can classify certain symptoms as PTSD. So if we have a traumatic incident, let's say using your car accident example, and you know, you kind of suffer with that from for a week, but then you're like, oh, you know, I feel better physically. I feel better mentally. Is that trauma or is that just like a reaction? Are they similar? Are they different? That, that's a great question. So with a distressing event, we all mm-hmm. can have very different responses. Right. So something that may feel something that is trauma for you mm-hmm. um, may impact someone else differently where they're able to bounce back quicker. Right. Okay. And so with PTSD, it's looking at your overall functioning Mm -hmm. that these symptoms are getting in the way of your sleep. It's getting in the way of you connecting. Mm -hmm. Um, And also when it comes to trauma, there's other diagnoses like anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. otherwise specified uh, stressor and traumatic uh, experiences. So there's a lot of other classifications where it's not just PTSD, but PTSD is more of this persistent way of impacting your overall functioning. Um, And and let me say this as well, just because you don't have a diagnosis of PTSD or a clinical diagnosis doesn't mean that you are not coping and managing through trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And so what that may look like is, all right, you're going to school, you're checking the list, you're getting everything done, but then there's something called a trigger. Trigger. And when you are triggered is when you may have a stress or trauma response, right? And so that can be a lot of, you know, we're walking around quote unquote strong, checking, Mm -hmm. again, checking the list, Mm -hmm. but someone says something and we have a trauma response Mm -hmm. and trauma responses are broken down as fight, flight, Mm. freeze, fawn. And so there was an example that I really liked of if a tiger came into the room, Mm -hmm. you know, you can make a decision to fight the tiger. You can flight, you can run and retreat from that tiger, Mm -hmm. freeze, whether you hide or you're in so much shock that you freeze in front of the tiger Mm -hmm. or fawn, you're convincing the tiger not to eat you, right? (laughs) And so it is a way in which um, our fear responses keep us safe. Mm. But what happens when that, it's not a tiger in the room, right? Like that we're triggered by things throughout our day Mm -hmm. based on potential past traumas and pains and that going unchecked, you know, can greatly impact relationships, connections, sleep, all of that. And then we can even get further down the line as we talk about intergenerational trauma, Mm -hmm. that some of these responses are learned behavior. Oh, I'm just, I'm just an angry person, right? Yeah. Or, or even in some ways, over-functioning can be a new aged uh, flight, right? So instead of me dealing with this issue, I'm going to go ahead and do 10 other things right now. And right. so there's some remixed versions of, yeah, maybe there's not a tiger in the room, mm-hmm. but these uh, trauma responses or stress responses are very active mm-hmm. and live. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how this fits in, but I was actually watching the news, which I tend to these days stay away from the news. I really do not want to take any part in it. I don't want to hear it just because of everything that's going on. But I happened to walk past it this morning Mm -hmm. and what was on was a survivor from the Uvale mass shooting that just occurred. It was an 11 year old. And I overheard her saying what she did to survive. She literally laid there, covered herself in her classmates' blood and played dead in order for her to survive. And so for me, like hearing you speak about certain, um, I guess, responses that you take to traumatic events, number one you know, I guess this would be one of those situations where obviously impacted individuals from this will receive um, services to help them obviously through all of these events that they went through. But Mm -hmm. this here is, I can tie that into what example you just gave about the different, what you, what route you could have taken in a traumatic situation. And so, you know, I just think about all of these things that we take in you know, on a daily basis and how that could actually be a, a trigger. And so for me, like I'm thinking about it from my perspective, I want to avoid it at all costs. And I think that the reason why I want to avoid it at all costs is because I have little ones in my home and I, I don't want it to be a situation in which the trauma takes over me so much that I can't function, if that makes sense. Because at the end of the day, I still have to be mom. I still have to encourage them. But it can become a situation in which I can allow my anxiety to take over. And yeah, what Mm -hmm. happens, you know what I mean? So I think one of the questions that came about, is there a specific age in which you would encourage others to speak about traumatic events that happen? You know, that, that's a great question. And it's just, it's, it's a lot, right? And, and I think that it's important for us to call it out. It's too much. It's a lot. It's overwhelming. And so when it comes to age, let's be real. Kids are receiving messages directly or indirectly when it comes to safety. Right. Um, I reflect at a time when I worked at an elementary school and the youngest of the students were three years old and we were doing practice active shooter drills, right? Now we, we may code it a bit with, you know, our code red or our different signals, but this is the very thing in which our children are existing and living in. And so my encouragement would be 
parents check yourself at the door of how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. What are you needing? What resources can you lean into? Because it is a lot to hold. And when it comes to children, they are quite intuitive. Mm -hmm. So if mommy or daddy or whoever the caregiver is, is wiping a tear, sniffling, right? And a child comes up and you smile, they can pick up on that. And so it's the more that you're able to take care of yourself and lean into communities of support, it is going to help you to hold with your child the painful parts of what it means to exist right now, the painful parts. And it's not that you speak, because there's an age appropriate way to say just about anything, mm-hmm. right? And play is a, an amazing way that children communicate mm-hmm. and that they can convey that something may be going on in their process. Now, that doesn't mean y'all go analyze your kids play tonight, but play is powerful. And so there's age appropriate ways to have conversations. But I say, allow your emotions to match. And if mommy or daddy is feeling sad, it is okay to say, you know what? I'm feeling a little sad. Can I have a hug? Because you are teaching your child emotional awareness and you're supporting them to feel aligned. Because if they're not feeling aligned with something, they take it, they take whatever is that that unspoken thing is and they internalize it as their own and it can turn into anxiety. So, you know, as far as I mean, we could talk a bit about resources, but I would say play, play therapy with the pandemic, which is a trauma event. And depending on how you're situated in this pandemic, you may have also experienced some complex and chronic trauma within your homes. Mm-hmm. We've experienced loss. We've, there's been an increase in domestic violence, child abuse. People are losing their jobs. People are dealing with trauma way before the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. And then you're being told to sit down and sit in it, right? Mm-hmm. For two years. Now there's some people, we still bounced around a bit, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's been condemned. So in all of that, I would say the best thing you can do for your child right now is to lean into supports and, and check yourself. So that way, when it is time to hold it with your child, you're teaching them emotional awareness because they know they can pick up on. You know, you, you, I mean, you speak. So I, I, I'm trying to think of the words. I, I definitely agree with reference to that. I think the thing is for me, just hearing you say that as a mom, like, I'm afraid to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And that is the honest to goodness truth. Like I have not spoken to him about the events that have happened at the school. I've already had to talk to him about the fact that he is born black Mm -hmm. and he has to, to act a certain way. But I just feel that now on top of that, I also have to tell him like, you know, here's something with school and you got to be vigilant and you got to be prepared. And, you know, at some point, and I think that's where I hear you saying that as a parent, you have to be okay yourself with explaining or understanding or maybe um, unpacking your emotions and your feelings and you dealing with the things that's going on to be able to speak with them about some of the situations that's going on. And so I think that, again, just hearing that from you is is telling a lot of me and what it is that I would have to do as well. Because, you know, as you say, from the surface, we say, oh yeah, we're good. And we keep moving and we're doing everything else to avoid the elephant in the room. But clearly, you know, we're not okay. And it's okay with saying, I'm not okay. You know, and so I, again, didn't expect to to start unpacking some of those things. But when you speak about a situation or things such as trauma, those triggers, and here we are talking about things that are triggering things in me, and it's already bringing up emotions that, you know, I've tried to suppress and Mm -hmm. I try to avoid. But again, when you're going through things like that, it comes out and you can't hide from it. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and, and re- as, as parents receiving support, gathering in community and COVID has even impacted how we do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so something Jenny that I was mentioning to you uh, when we first just touched base is grief mm-hmm. and um, there's trauma 
And I would say that grief is trauma's cousin in the sense, and not play cousins, like they cousins cousins, <laughs> because when you experience trauma, there is a loss, right? Mm-hmm. We often think of grief as the loss of a physical loved one, which in itself can be quite traumatic. Mm-hmm. But during this pandemic, we, there's been isolation, loss of jobs, loss of opportunities, um, mm-hmm. a loss of a sense of safety. So we, mm-hmm. as you're talking about the shootings, there's a loss of a sense of safety and security for yourself and your family. And so when we hold the five stages of grief, there's denial, mm-hmm. anger, bargaining. Well, if I do this, this, and that, maybe this will render a different outcome, mm-hmm. depression and acceptance. And acceptance does not mean that you're cool with it. Acceptance mm-hmm. is based on the information that I have. Here are the things that I can do about it. Right. You know, this is how I can advocate. This is how I can contribute in awareness. And so it's finding points of empowerment in situations that you can feel quite powerless or just demoralized in a lot of ways. Right. Um, so that's the grief piece of how do we allow for collective family and individual mourning? Because we've lost so much. Mm-hmm. And I think back to when the pandemic first started, they had on one corner how many people we've been losing mm-hmm. in different states throughout the US and globally. Mm-hmm. On the same screen, there were like some Morning America, I don't know, one of those news shows where they were smiling and laughing and talking about COVID cupcakes and how exciting it is. That is a split. That is a disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, or, or logging into spaces where people are just business as usual. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, with trauma and loss and these things that we go through, to me, one of the most detrimental things that we can do is move on business as usual, mm. as if nothing's happening. Mm. And, and for children, and, and I even had a, a high schooler at the time said, I wish my teacher would just say this sucks. Right. right. And, and how this hearing that would allow him to feel enough of a connection to be mm-hmm. open to learning. And so we can be in denial about what we're going through, mm-hmm. but it's still a, a grieving process. And mm-hmm. so there's grief and mourning is the outward expression of grief. Mm-hmm. It's the okay. outward expression. So Jenny shed that tear. Mm-hmm. You know, Courtney, express out that screen, mm-hmm. write that letter, do that dance, right? It's like, how do you get that release out mm-hmm. that is your expression of mourning? And I wish that I could tell you that I have a magic wand to make this world more beautiful, safe, and amazing. But what we're dealing right now, what we're dealing with right now, it is heavy. It is a lot. It is too much. Yeah. But in this, how do we find new solutions? and ways to take care of ourselves and our families. So when you talk about, you know, crying, screaming, showing those emotions, there is, when you do that physical response, you can have a mental benefit from that. Because I felt, you know, in the past, sometimes it's like, whoo, I need to cry. And once I get that out, it's like, wow, that took a weight off of my chest. And it's like, how is this thing that I'm doing physically, how is that helping me somehow mentally? How does that work? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a release, I would say. And this is something that I I try to practice, but I also hold in my work. It's, I believe that we're grieving every single day. Mm. I mean, even before the pandemic, there's this understanding that we all come here and we all peace out, right? Mm -hmm. And depending on your beliefs, there's different things that may play out after your death or your leaving this world. Um, So that in itself, in the background, is heavy, right? And so I believe every single day we're grieving because even if it's not necessarily a direct experience, if you're looking at a television uh, program with numbers that represents people's lives, right? That is vicarious trauma or some of the secondary trauma that we speak of. Mm -hmm. And so I hold a bit of a rotation of feel the feels, Mm -hmm. distract with intention, and self-soothe. So to only feel the feels, all of us would be a ooey, gooey, gushy, ushy mess. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, Jenny, like how do I function and show up, Mm -hmm. right? But sometimes we fight away an opportunity to just sit and feel and say, huh, what do I need? 
And that could be five minutes in your car before you go into your house. Hmm. That could be intuitively just moving your body in between in between Zoom sessions, mm-hmm. right? And so feeling the feels is just a way of being present with yourself to say, how am I feeling mm. and what am I needing? Because the more that you do this in a paced day-to-day rotation, it takes away from waiting three months down the line and then you finally feel it. And mm. it's like a whole ocean coming yes, at you, right? And I so see. you incorporate it as a practice or a ritual. So that's feel the feels. Then there is distract with intention. Now, people who love me know that I love Lifetime movies. (laughs) I love Lifetime movies because there's a beginning, middle, end. It's predictable. Uh It's hilarious, but it also is enough of a drama, but not as violent that would be triggering. Uh And I watch it, but I watch it with intention because it gives me a cathartic release. Uh Or music. Okay, if I'm holding anger and rage, I'm not going to necessarily go out there and punch wall I might listen to some Tupac right (laughs) I might right like but but I'm going to honor that in that moment I either need music that levels me Uh that that brings up my energy or that allows me to just kind of have that moment to shed Uh that tear right so uh, okay I'm going back to feel the feels but with distract with um intention is be on social media but if you're distracting all day Mm. you're living in a place of denial so that when Mm. life does hit it becomes overwhelming and then lastly is self-soothe take that bubble bath even sit outside and let that sun hit your forehead right Mm. like it's it's not necessarily things that have to go to the spa right like it doesn't have to be expensive right but self-soothing is a get that blanket Mm -hmm. it's a way of cuddling up and taking care of yourself right so but self-soothe by itself is expensive and it's also not addressing what's really going on so again a rotation of feel the feels distract with intention Mm -hmm. and uh lastly self-soothe 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 and and it's a practice a practice yes okay I, i like that i think that's a good cycle because like you said if you take the time to actually feel and then when you distract and then finally self-soothe, you're not, you just do, if you're just doing one of these things, yeah, it, it won't work. But, <laughs> but if you do, if you do these three things together in tandem or in order in a cycle, it allows you to know why you're feeling this way, why right. you need this distraction or why you need this type of soothing. And then actually helping get to the root of the actual thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's back. It's balance. It's Mm -hmm. also balance. And sometimes it may not be in order. It could Mm -hmm. be that life gives you a situation where you say you turn on TV and say, I need to distract distract. Mm -hmm. or I just ran into such and such. And it brought up uh, this emotional response for me. I need to Mm self-soothe. And so over time, it's an intuitive knowing of like Mm -hmm. what you need. Yeah. But yes, for a practice to get into it, it could be something that is in order. I like that. I like that. That is something because I can think of uh, this past week how I was um, distracting myself by watching a whole bunch of Netflix uh, (laughs) Uh shows all week, just Mm -hmm. watching it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. and I'm never a binge watcher, but I think that I needed it. So Mm -hmm. that's why I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And and, okay. One more thing. I I get that. I I can go talk about feelings all day. So I hold feelings on a spectrum Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we can often assign feelings as bad or good. Mm-hmm. And what I find is when we label a feeling as bad, we will push it away mm, and we I only see. want access to the quote unquote good. So I hold feelings as heavy and lighter emotions mm, Okay. because what I find is if we don't allow ourselves to go into the depths of, for example, feelings of uh, frustration or sadness, boredom. To me, boredom is a, uh, a quite a triggering emotion because it can be a gateway into some other stuff that we suppress. Mm-hmm. And so my encouragement is not to sit and sulk in those heavy emotions, mm-hmm. but at least fill them enough to be curious of what may be coming up and coming out. Because the more that you are in tune with those heavy emotions, it allows you to access joy and happiness in a much more intense way. True. Because we can all can think about times where we're having a beautiful time with family and friends. Mm-hmm. 
but then our brain starts to creep into, but is this going to last? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. it can start to turn into some anxiety when we start to experience joy. Mm -hmm. So when we allow ourselves to grieve, right, to Mm -hmm. grieve with intention, to feel jealousy. I mean, even jealousy can be a mobilizing emotion of like, this person has this. Now sulking in it is pushing it away and just looking at that person's side eye. But processing jealousy is like, you know what? I like what they're doing. What ways can I take that and incorporate Mm -hmm. their drive and interest to impact my life? So the more that we grapple with these heavier emotions, it can set us free in living a more authentic life and not one that is based out of fear. Mm. And even fear, we have a, re- so we need fear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we need to be in a relationship with fear because fear can keep us safe, but also fear can uh, paralyze us. Sure can. But when you're like, hey, fear, I know you're there. What's up? Mm-hmm. And what are you trying to communicate to me? Mm-hmm. Then it will support you in um, grappling with that and not living in, in, fear, in fear, but, but mm-hmm. being in relationship and understanding your triggers. Ah, you know, this reminds me of, I hate to dumb it down, but this reminds me of that movie Inside Out. Did you watch that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that, and that was a, to me, a heavy movie for children. I mean, I watched it by myself and I loved it, but I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying and I think if someone needs a visualizer of what you just said that's a great movie to watch because you know you have anger fear jealousy you have these emotions and they're all inside you Mm -hmm. and learning like you said okay I am angry right now why am I angry? What can I do with this anger? How can I turn this into some productivity or uh-huh. into something that will be beneficial to me? So, I mean, that's a great movie, but I think you you basically just like explained it in a more elevated way, but yeah. yeah. I, and, but you saw, you saw in the movie and I won't, people watch it, please. Queens, please watch it. But Joy started to move into a manic state when she yes. couldn't get that release. Yes. And yep. sadness was that release for her. Yep. Um, and so absolutely. I mean, feelings, if we're, we're in relationship with it, and the more that we understand our personal relationship with it, that's mm-hmm. where our freedom is. Yes. Let me ask you another question, Tina. For... A lot of what you talked about just now was kind of like how to sell, how to work on yourself, but what are some indicators that a person needs some additional help? They maybe need to talk to someone, um, see a professional. What are some indicators that you need that additional help? Well, I'm quite biased because <laughs> I am a therapist with a therapist mm-hmm. and I can attribute a lot of how I hold the world receiving therapy, but also having the honor of holding other folks' experiences Mm -hmm. as being a therapist. And so, you know, I would say all of us can benefit from a space Mm -hmm. to think through, to process through, to make sense of. But I'll say this, if you are doing great, Mm -hmm. guess what? You need therapy. Why? Mm -hmm. Because your safety shape may be over-functioning, right? Mm -hmm. Pushing on business as usual, So, but on the surface, it may look like you're doing quite well, Mm -hmm. but going back to trauma, it can have physical manifestations. Mm -hmm. That's where we have high blood pressure. That's Mm -hmm. where we have um, increased uh, diabetes as it relates to cravings, right? Where we try to crave through it, where we're eating things. Me and Popeye's chicken have a relationship, Mm -hmm. but guess what? I'm aware of that relationship Mm -hmm. and I own it. Mm -hmm. I own it to say, all right, I know I'm doing this, but what's going on and what can I do next time? Mm-hmm. And so even for those who are doing great, to me, I'm more concerned with mm-hmm. that right there than folks that are expressing out loud, I'm not feeling well. Right. Now, if you are experiencing suicidal ideations, you know, that's something else that folks don't want to talk about, but it's much more prevalent than we would like to believe. Mm-hmm. Talk to someone, right? Self-harm, you know, just anything where you're not feeling aligned, you can benefit from therapy. And just to keep this resource going, and I know it will also be added to later on as far as resources, but there's the National Suicide Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. So Queens, as you're listening to my voice at this time, you are not alone. There are resources and we'll be sure to give you everything that we have that you take care of yourself. So 
going back to your question, we could all benefit mm-hmm. uh, if you've survived a, and continue to survive a global pandemic, multiple pandemics, mm-hmm. you, you could benefit from some therapy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, I- me, all of us, let's all go to therapy. Why not? Yeah. And, and and being curious of why you're you may not be taking advantage of these resources, mm. and it could be that you're not aware, right? So mm. it's it's we're going to gain and give you some awareness of resources. Some folks may say cost, and let me talk about queens, all right, mm-hmm. black women. Let me tell y'all, we will spend money on our hair. Uh-huh. We will spend money on a spa package. Mm-hmm. We will spend money on trips. nails. Our nails, y'all, healing is the best investment you can make and Mm. not investing in your healing is going to cost you a lot more down the line. Mm. Um, Say that one more time. One more time. uh, The the act of not healing is is, expensive. And it could be that, hey, I'm not ready, but Mm -hmm. listen up. Therapy is about consent. You don't have to talk about anything that you don't feel comfortable with. You could literally go to therapy and say, I'm here. I don't know what to say or do. I'm not ready to talk about certain things and Mm -hmm. it should be honored. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's some skill building to support you to get to a place to feel safe and comfortable enough to share. Wow. Mm. I think that's important to note because I'm sure that there are many people who don't know that you can, you know, go to go to a therapist and say, help me figure out what I want to talk about. Because I think and, you know, I can say from personal experience, sometimes you can feel that there's something wrong. You don't know what it is. I do not right. know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but I know it's something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that that's important too. And like you said, a, a professional can help give you those tools to get to the bottom of it. What is it? What's going on? What do you need to talk about? What do you need to process through? So yeah. thank you for sharing that. I think that's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so... I know that we've talked a little bit about trauma on an individual level. Now, I'm not sure that we've had a chance to talk about something like this, or if you could break this down for us. When we think about African-Americans, specifically Black families, we understand that based on our journey as a community, that there is absolutely some generational trauma that is apparent within our community. What are some ways that you believe would be good to help break that cycle of generational trauma? Well, well, something that I hold tightly, and and I think a part of this is because my mother is the storyteller of the family. Mm -hmm. She's telling everybody's business. (laughs) She's telling the history, right? And so something that I think is quite powerful is storytelling, Mm. Uh, telling stories where, I mean, I have a quite, I have a vivid thought or uh, visual of my grandfather, my mother's father, I've never met, but I know he purchased that land. Mm. I know that, you know, I know that I knew his values and what health insurance he had. (laughs) But yeah, so it's, it's to me, the more that we tell the stories Mm -hmm. in that we can honor the strengths, Mm -hmm. but we can also acknowledge the traumatic experiences. So a lot like a recipe can be passed down. Mm. So can certain um, behaviors or beliefs that are coming from a place of trauma and fear. Mm -hmm. And I I believe our generation, I'm not necessarily saying our generation from age, but more the time we're living in, it's as if people are coming into therapy and they're like, you know what, Tina, I'm here. My whole family can be here right now, but Mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I say, come on in, because we are a generation of folks that are stopping to say, what? Yeah. What happened? But mm-hmm. we're also living in a situation of like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And what's going on is a bit of a repeat of history, mm-hmm. right? And, and so when we think of the, the macro, so the macro is more of the political, social, then we look at the mezzo, that's the family, community, church. And then micro is how we're showing up in the world, right? Right. But if we look at history, there's a lot of stuff that is repeating and replaying itself mm-hmm. on all of these levels. Mm-hmm. And so there is healing that needs to happen. And to me, healing is knowing your story, knowing your history, mm-hmm. and knowing a bit of like, huh, 
we're doing the same things. It may be a bit remixed, mm-hmm. but it's the same old pattern. Right. Um, there is an author, Joy DeGru. I hope I'm saying it right. Dr. Joy DeGru. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I had the honor of sitting into one of her uh, trainings at Taraji P. Henson uh, as a foundation honoring her father. So it was a training right before the pandemic. Okay. And I was in tears because she was able to pull generations of trauma and how it manifests itself Mm. in the here and now. Mm. So she gave an example of, and I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to pull from what I remember of stating compliments, right? Complimenting your child Mm -hmm. and how back in those times of of slavery, that if you're complimenting your child or giving them praise, that is a vulnerability of putting them in an unsafe situation, right? So if your child is doing well, that means that master is going to look at that quality and sell your child away or utilize that skill or that praise or utilize that as a way of saying, oh, he is really good at this. Mm-hmm. And so even the praise, good job, baby. I love like these, these very vulnerable words that we need so much for our healing and connection was life or death or you going away, right? Mm-hmm. Back in slavery and in what ways we may still adapt those things. Now it's vulnerability and vulnerability, as we know, can be a powerful healing experience, but vulnerability can also put us in unsafe situations. Mm -hmm. And how do you know when to be vulnerable and when Mm -hmm. to shut it down? I mean, there is a lot that happens to us back and forth in those transitions. Anyway, she says something like that in a much more profound way, but it's generational. Hmm. We just had to sit in that for a moment. Wow. I mean, what you said makes a lot of sense. I think I'm glad that we, like you said, this generation is a lot of people are coming to the realization that, you know, there is generational trauma, there is racial trauma, there is trauma that we need to address Mm -hmm. individually and on higher levels, you know, because like you said, we're in a cycle where we're repeating some things that have happened in the past and the only way that we're going to break these cycles is if we address them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's like this stereotype or this thing about Black families that a lot of times we sweep things under the rug, you know, mm-hmm. you got a family member that does some things that are wrong and nobody ever mentions it because, you know, because whatever, because that's just our history or, you know, things of that nature. And I think, like you said, with your mother being a storyteller and with other generations finally speaking out, that's like, to me, a great first step into now, almost like back to your example of feeling feels. Let's talk about it. Let's feel what happened in our family, in our history. And now that we felt it, now that we've talked about it, we can learn how to deal with it. That's important. And as as crazy as it seems things are going on in the world right now, I do think that there are a lot more resources. There's a lot more openness. Yeah. There's a lot more conversation. And so it's almost like, like, damn, are we setting ourselves up for something good in the future? Sometimes yeah. when you look around, it's like, oh, no. But mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. like it could be. So I just wanted to, I don't know what I'm saying, but I just want to say that. <laughs> you, you, you're speaking it. I mean, our our ancestors and the folks before us did the best that they could, could. do yeah. with the resources that they had. And here mm-hmm. we are, right? And mm-hmm. so now that here we are with these available resources and more representation mm-hmm. in these resources, because even that is a newer Yeah. Um, There's a a website called Therapy for Black Girls, Mm -hmm. and it is dedicated for you to find a a therapist of color, Black women more specifically. We had, I don't even think we had that resource pre-pandemic. Correct. So, So representation is there as well. And with the Henson Foundation, there's focus on culturally competent training because there are folks out here that may not look like you that has training and the ability to also hold your experience. Right. right. And so, wow, you know, what what a privilege in the way of us having accessible resources. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
wanted to ask another question kind of focused on social media. I know that that is a big thing in many people's lives right now. So, you know, a lot of times we'll see people on social media that post about protecting their peace. So what are your thoughts surrounding this idea of protecting your peace and, you know, the things that we may see online about this? I believe it's a beautiful thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that going back to like a gateway or uh, those social media posts can be a gateway into something much more connecting. But I, I look at memes, reels mm-hmm. and posts as an appetizer. Mm. I mean, that's that's calamari you know mm-hmm. that's the the two chicken wings and the one shrimp with the <laughs> fancy piece of lettuce on it right that that we can't just stop there because mm-hmm. it can become something more of a trend mm-hmm. or something that you check ooh, check your list and as yeah. I said before a lot of our healing is grappling in the middle right and so we we want all the peace and all the the joyful parts of healing but mm-hmm. healing is Ooh, it's, it can be heavy. It can be tearful. It can be gritty. It can be ugly. It can be overwhelming uh-huh. with supports. And so my hope is that it is a form of outreach, mm-hmm. right? But it's just an appetizer. Mm-hmm. We got to get into the full course meal. We got to get into the smacking in it, you know, smacking yeah. your food type meal. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you say that, it also makes me think of, you know, sometimes I'll see posts on social media where people are like, you know, if someone does me wrong one time, I cut them off. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, when you see things like that, when you hear things like that, how much of this is actually like helpful rhetoric that we're hearing? Because I do believe in boundaries and setting boundaries and making sure people don't try you too much. But when are we at, when are we in a place where we're not giving grace, where we're not allowing growth between friendships, relationships, all of those things. So my question, I guess I'm saying is, how do you take what you see in social media and kind of filter it so it's it, it's actually beneficial in your life? Well, I, I think with, with anything, whether I mean, we can get in the context of the Bible or just any information, we can take mm-hmm. it and depending on our intention and where we are in our healing journey, mm-hmm. we may take it in a way to, let's see, to justify or to. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's true. Say, you know what? See, I knew it. Yep. So, so it, it's really coming more from the viewer of where are you at with it? Right. <laughs> taking this, this particular suggestion online. I appreciate you bring up boundaries because it's been such a hot topic mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. And the goal is not to be rigid right. in your boundaries because you, right. you close yourself out and, uh, and others people from receiving you, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to be so flexible that exactly. uh, f- folks are running over you. So it's mm-hmm. finding a balance. And what I find in my work, this is what happens. Folks come in and their boundaries are blurry. They, mm-hmm. There ain't no shape to it. And mm-hmm. then once they get to know boundaries, they're like, you know what, Tina, no 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 it's so it's so I put it another sort of spectrum here of you know there's there's the hell no's Mm -hmm. there's the hell yes Mm -hmm. there's the "Mm, no there's the like pay attention to how you're saying it in your brain Mm because you be knowing it's the things that we say out of our role of yes 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 but in your brain it's like I don't do this right listen to that voice Okay. And be curious about it. So you find a balance because oftentimes folks who have very little boundaries, when they initially start to learn boundaries, they go the complete opposite of the spectrum. It is right. balance, finding the middle. Mm-hmm. And if you are in relationships where you constantly have to remind your boundaries over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. then it's it's sort of thinking about the relationship and what may be playing out where your boundaries are not being honored. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you cut that person off, but you may reposition them in your life right? <laughs> in a way where, you know, that, that feels more safe and protected. Yeah. That makes protected sense. Your boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's good to know. I like that. I like that being flexible with your boundaries. Absolutely. You can't be all the way left or you can't <laughs> be all the way right. And, and you, but you may have some non-negotiables. Right. right? True. And, right, and, and true. so it, it is like, what are my non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. And if you are stepping outside of those non-negotiables, it's being kind to yourself and just curious of 
what's going on mm-hmm. where I'm having difficulty setting my boundary with this particular situation or with this particular person. Right. Because let's be real, if a lot of our identity is based on saying yes, mm-hmm. and that is our way of receiving love and mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. or attention, saying no can be quite triggering Correct. because there's a fear of if I say no, will they go away? Mm. And that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Tina, you have taken us on a journey. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't even know how we were able to compact all of that information in simply one hour. And I know that we could have, yeah, we went an hour, a one, but it was an hour full of gems and full of love and full of emotion and full of information that will Mm -hmm. help queens no matter where they are. As we reach the ending of our time with you, before we let you go, I want to talk to you a little bit about your new endeavor, your baby, your love (laughs) child that you have started. So tell us a little bit more about Therapy Works. W-E-R-K-S L-L-C. That's right. So, okay. So here's the thing. I have babies that are months apart. I don't know know how that works exactly. Okay. (laughs) So my my first baby that was um, inspired, was really inspired by burnout. So being a therapist during the pandemic for two years, I, I really showed up for my clients and I can pride myself with that, but I didn't do such a great job showing up for myself. Uh Um, being in that rotation of constant news breaks because I had a fear of receiving breaking news from my client. And I wanted to make sure that I was okay enough to hold their experience. So what would happen is late at night, I would wake up with creative ideas and I've always been a creative. So throughout my morning process, I had this moment or pop from my therapy, consulting, I mean, just friendships, but there was like this bubble pop of Tina, you're more than a therapist, right? Uh Like when you take on this role and I do believe it's a calling, but it's a calling that can be without boundaries, right? Because if this is your calling, well, you just, you're all around helping, providing, and it can be difficult to say no when there's a need. Right. And so when that bubble popped, it was like, I'm also a creative Uh I have innovative thoughts and ideas. Mm -hmm. And so my first baby is Truth and Muse. And Truth and Muse is a creative consulting business focused on wellness and really teaming up with individuals, groups, and businesses of how do we, you know, sort of look at the truth of the matter of Mm -hmm. that person or organization and look at innovative solutions, Muse. and, And then from that, how do we create contribution Mm. Right. So if we're doing business as usual, as we see, it's not working. How do we create innovative solutions of giving back Mm -hmm. so that individual organization can give back through tutoring, through Mm -hmm. finances, through holding a forum? Like as a community, how do we come together to heal? Mm. Because even though I hope everyone comes to therapy, they might not. So how do we create a healthier and more well environment for folks to live in? But Truth and Muse, I plan to launch in August, but therapy works is my natural uh, connection of therapy. I love this work, but it's how do I do it in a more boundaried way? I see. And, and that's what therapy works is. And so they work together of, of healing within uh-huh. the therapy space, but also healing uh, beyond the therapy space. Oh, I love that. In yeah. tandem. Hmm. Very nice. Yes. So if someone wanted to get in contact with you for either of your businesses, whether it's Truth and Muse or Therapy Works, how do they get in contact with you? All right. Well, since again, my, my babies are so close together, but Instagram, you can find me at, at Therapy Works. And again, that's Therapy Works, W E R K S. Mm-hmm. And you'll see me there with, with a nice little smile in my fro. 
<laughs> I, I, I feel quite proud. You see, I have my little pink tail today. I'm quite prideful of, of this, this fro of mine. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming by and chatting with us. I think this was a great conversation. Um, like you said at the beginning, I'm sure there are people who have paused, who have, you know, who are going to take some time to get through this episode. But I think there are so many things that you said throughout that are just gems that are so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely going to be listening to this over and over again, taking my notes, making sure I, you know, can remember these things because you really shed a lot of information. So thank you so much for coming today and speaking with us and talking to our queens. Yes. Absolutely. And, and, and one other uh, gem that I'll leave, which is, mm-hmm. I won't call it homework, but I'll call it life work, mm-hmm. is five holding spaces. So queens, think of five circles, mm-hmm. all right? Five circles. And those five circles represent people, places, spaces and activities that anchor you Mm. and intentionally identify those five spaces. So it can be a good friend that y'all only talk once a month, but when you talk, it's like magic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or it could be when you sit in your car for five minutes and vibe out to music, Mm -hmm. that can be your holding space. It could be going for a jog, right? So my homework or life work for you is identify five holding spaces. So those mm-hmm. five circles of people, places, and spaces that anchor you. Mm-hmm. Because going back to that grief work, when you have those spaces going, it helps to anchor you through life's most painful parts, but also to celebrate life's joyful parts. Mm. I love that. Mm. Thank you. Tina. Thank you so much again for really being here and taking us through such a heavy topic, but doing it with poise, with relatable examples, and also explaining it to us from a place where we can truly understand it. Or sometimes we don't have the language to put forth of some of the things that's going on with us. So thank you again for taking us on this ride and this conversation because it was necessary. So before we go though, I hope you'll stay with us as Courtney takes us. What you got for us, girl? Okay, y'all. So this week's do better tip is it is okay to change your mind, especially Mm. when new information has been presented. Um, Sometimes, y'all, we get so lost in the sauce with our beliefs that we don't even pay attention to the facts of the situation because we just want to be right. Mm. And I just want to remind you, it's okay to say you change your mind. It's even okay to say you don't have an opinion on certain subjects because we are not dictionaries. We're not fact checkers. And, you know, I just want to leave you all with that. It is okay to change your mind. And even dictionaries update. True. Even dictionaries update. I know that's right. Yes. When new information is presented, you got to take that information and do with it what you will but make sure you're doing the right thing (laughs) so that's this week's do better tip and yeah let us know how you're doing better by tagging us on instagram at sound off queen thank you court ladies we really appreciate you joining us for this week's episode of sound off queen and Mm -hmm. until next time join us for our season finale you don't want to miss it going to be a good thing. So we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.